Welcome to the Clovis Sports Report, episode 10. My name is Paul Metters, and I'm joined here by Austin Kemp, AK. This is a, a an episode that we've been looking forward to for a long time. We we have Adrian Martinez on the episode. We uh, the, the Nebraska quarterback, Clovis West grad. This is this is a good one, Austin. It is, and I was when we like had the idea for it. I was a little skeptical if we could actually make it happen because like there's a I feel like there's everything I've heard like when it comes to college athletes you might have to get school approval or I don't know jump through some hoops but we actually didn't really have any of those problems so we're excited we filmed it last week and I think you guys are gonna love it yeah a couple text messages and Adrian was on and a few days later and yeah we definitely took advantage of that and yeah this this is a great interview we can't wait for you guys to listen to it some great insights on Nebraska football, what it's like to play in that big conference. Um, obviously, his record-setting year that he had as a freshman. Uh, we get into all that stuff in his days at, at Clovis West as well. Uh, but before we get into that, we got a couple other things as well. We're going to talk about uh, some recent information, some great information that came down last Friday on the 19th regarding high school sports. Uh, we're going to get into that a little bit before the interview. But uh, if you guys can help us out a little bit and uh, give us a like and stars on on Apple Podcasts. If you guys like the podcast, really appreciate that. And and obviously, Twitter's a big deal. We tweet everything out, and probably most of our listeners are are on Twitter, right? And and uh, know when our new episodes come out through through Twitter. So if you guys could do that, we'd really appreciate. And you could follow me at Paul Metters on Twitter at a underscore underscore Kemp for Austin Kemp. Mm-hmm. Two underscores. Two underscores. Remember that double underscore. Yes. So if you guys can give us a follow, that'd be great. We really enjoy doing this, and we want to thank you guys for listening and for downloading the episodes and subscribing, obviously, and you know, spending between an hour and an hour and 15 minutes for our podcast. So, yeah, sometimes longer. <laughs> sometimes longer. <laughs> depends, on, uh, depends on how much good stuff we got to talk to you guys about. But yeah, I mean, just kind of reflecting back on the Adrian Martinez interview, um, Obviously, he was a big-time recruited athlete out of Clovis West. We we watched him play a lot of different uh, uh, sports as well. I mean, basketball. He's a four-year four-year player on basketball, and you know, football was his meal ticket. And we only got two years of him on varsity because his senior year was wiped out for injury because of a shoulder injury. And we get into that too. But man, what an athlete, Austin! I <laughs> I I loved watching him play. Obviously, I mean, he's he's a Division One athlete. Right. Mm -hmm. However, I loved talking to that kid afterwards. I mean, he was so mature. He was, um, you know, so uh, expressive and he gave great answers. And I mean, he would he was just he played above his age. Yeah. And you can when he's talking to us and when we talk to him, you could tell he was like a fourth year like Nebraska starting quarterback. He was very mature, very humble, had a bunch of great stories. But just like you said, like I think Adrian was, when I was watching him, I was so impressed. And I thought he was one of the better quarterbacks like I, I've ever seen come out of this area. And I'm I'm only 28 years old. But I, I, uh, I cut this part out of the podcast because it was a little choppy. But I remember telling, uh, I told Adrian <laughs> that I, I'm a huge Ohio State fan. You listeners probably know that if you follow my Twitter account. Um, yeah, we do. We know. Yeah, that. you know. And I, I emailed the Ohio State recruiting coordinator in 2016 about Adrian. So this was in the middle of his sophomore season, and I had been watching Adrian. I had I was coaching at Clovis West, and I was like, this guy's, this guy is the real deal. And I sent this email to him. Um, I know he took an official visit to Ohio State a couple of years later, and on, but kind of didn't. I don't know if he earned an offer. I don't know what kind of what happened there. But um, they were definitely interested, and I wanted him to go to Ohio State because I knew this dude was, was going to be special. And um, right now he has like 13 Nebraska school records. So yeah. he, he has turned out <laughs> to be pretty special. I know uh, he'd probably want more more wins in the win column, and he talks about that. But, hey, he's had a great career so far and maybe has two more years left. Well, I I remember when he first got to Nebraska and, he, and uh, they were interviewing him already before games and just how the media was just super impressed with his poise mm-hmm. uh he did the he did some media day stuff for nebraska and, and for the big 10 conference as well and everybody was just blown away by his maturity at that time and the way he was poised and, and answering questions and then he gets on the field and has that record breaking 
freshman season at Nebraska. So yeah, you guys are going to really enjoy this. I know, I know we did. Yeah, <laughs> we love the insight that he gave on what what it's like to play for a big time program. So yeah, that's coming up uh, in a few minutes. We're we're really excited for you guys to listen. But yeah, getting back to that new information that came out on February nineteenth regarding this year's high school sports. I mean. Here we are in February and been waiting and waiting and waiting and wondering what's going to happen with high school sports this year. Uh, when I say we, I say us, obviously, but you guys out there and the players and the coaches and, and obviously the parents, too. I mean, it's it's been a long time coming. So we got some good news regarding football and uh, actually water polo and soccer, too. So those are considered high contact sports. So they were in the uh, in the orange tier. And now they've been bumped up to the red or purple tier. And so what does that mean? That means that those games can now have full contact uh, in practice. And games can begin if they hit a threshold of 14 cases per 100,000. Um, so that's that's what those tiers are set in. So they got bumped up. So there was, there was a lot of celebrating. There was a lot of optimism. Um, you know, the let's let them play movement that has really pushed this agenda and got the the ear of governor newsom uh really worked <laughs> i mean they went on fox news talking about this advocate group um they got a lot of publicity and and it seemed to really really help so i mean austin i mean you, you talked to a few people and you saw some things on twitter what, what was your feeling after you heard that news and, and what did you hear from from other people yeah i mean definitely a positive sign with the with the new tiers for certain sports uh, I, I, I will say it's not a guarantee we will get there, but I, from looking at the numbers, it definitely is on the right trend, I would say. And yeah, people are fired up. It, we actually took in a couple uh, baseball practices last week, and it was nice to see kids running around and, and seeing high school sports happening. But um, yeah, I mean, it's any, any positive news right now should be celebrated after what we've kind of went through the last calendar year about. And like like we said, I think stuff is going in the right direction right now. And I, I again, I said this on the last podcast. I think there's going to be a season for, uh, I think there's going to be a season for football this year. I don't know what it's going to look like completely yet, but um, we're getting there. I think. Well, we're getting there. So here's where we're at with our numbers. So Fresno County is at 19.8 on uh, as far as the cases per 100,000. That came out on Tuesday. So the new information uh, regarding these types of numbers comes out on Tuesday. So. Um, we'll find out more in, in a couple days regarding that. But here's the good news on that is that we all know that the case rates have been going down um, exponentially sometimes. And there's been a little formula that uh, a few people have tweeted out um, that points in a direction that we're going to get at that 14 threshold and below within uh, two weeks. Um, we have had numbers go down 25% every week. So if that trend continues... Um, we'll be down to maybe about 16 uh, next week. Um, and then after that, uh, we should be about at that 14 if everything holds, uh, you know, according to what's been happening with the 25%. So um, once that happens, then the contact can start these high contact sports with football, water polo, and soccer so they can begin hitting each other. It's going to come fast. It's going to come fast. Come really fast. Absolutely. So. Let's say it's the uh, March fourth, I believe, is that is that Tuesday. Um, what we're hearing is that football games will be a go on March nineteenth. That is, that is. Like, Sorry, not March fourth. Uh, March second. March second. Yeah. So March nineteenth. If those were the first football games, I'm looking at my calendar right now, trying to do the math. Not really a great math guy, but we're like three and a half weeks away from that. Yeah. And that is right around the corner, and. I mean, in about a week here, about a week and a half, it's gonna be, it's gonna be go time for some of these football programs. Like you gotta, you gotta start getting ready. Yeah. So I talked to a couple coaches, and the thought right now is about five to six games. Uh, the that first week, that March nineteenth that we're talking about, could be you could have a scrimmage, or you could have a non-league type game. All right. So you know, it's kind of like I'm sure coaches and ads are scrambling right now and getting those schedules set, and then there'll be the league. Um, There'll be uh, uh, the games will be played in in each county. So, you know, you talk about 
uh, we've talked about in the past about playoffs and, and it, that type of potential. But, you know, with Kern County and Fresno County being different, I actually don't know the numbers of Kern County right now. But, you know, we even even a few months ago, we're like, yeah, there's probably not going to be able to play any Bakersfield schools, right? So we're thinking the five to six games and then having a bowl-type game. And what even that can mean is, like, the number one team from the track could play the number one team from the CMAC and so on. Something like that. Those those are all things that – that are that are on the table, I think, and, in I, and I think that could be pretty interesting. Honestly, I think you could do like a, a one versus one, two versus two, so on and so forth for the CMAC and track. And I think it'd be really cool to keep those in the uh, same stadiums. Maybe do something like they do at Rawhide for for baseball. And uh, you say maybe the uh, six versus six game is at Veterans at noon. You have the five versus five game at Veterans at I don't know four o'clock, and then do do a seven thirty game in the next day kind of do the next three games and i think you could pay pay for a ticket if if fans are allowed and come see all all three or all six i think that'd be really cool and for a one for a year like it, it's not as good as a valley championship and stuff like that but in a year like this i think i think we could make it pretty interesting and i think the kids would be fired up for it too how about a clovis sports report sponsor huh yeah what if, make we, some what, what if, what if we do yeah. like the, the clovis the clovis sports report bowl game <laughs> maybe something like that yeah we could maybe have like a Maybe you make it a little bit more clever. I don't know, yeah, something yeah. like that. Yeah, but uh, that'd be pretty cool. Yeah, I'd honestly. be down with that. Do some like down. do like a bowl gift for all the teams. They could do like a Ooh. Clovis Sports Report T-shirt Ooh. and I don't know, just some I, goodies. I like it. Yeah. I like it. Now you're getting cool. me thinking. Yeah. Um, a couple other things too, uh, logistically. Um, so football and water polo players will have to be COVID tested once a week. So how's that going to be handled? Well. Not quite sure on on how they're going to do it and you know get get these COVID tests. I don't know what day they would they would be on. Uh, obviously, it'd have to be probably before the game. I don't know. Um, but how's that going to be paid for? Uh, the state governor Newsom has said, "Yeah, we'll take care of it. We'll take care of that tab there." Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So that's how that's going to work. Um, yeah. So you know, I, I'm sure the administrators of each school are. Are uh, you know got their little task force out there? And I mean, I feel like it's got to come down to district. But like my biggest question all along has been like, what's going to happen if one person tests positive? Does that shut down the whole program? Does that shut down just that kid or close contacts? I don't know. Yeah, I, haven't, I still haven't heard an answer yeah. about it. So I don't um, have a good answer for they that better, either. They better get their what's the, what's, the, what's the expression? Get their eggs in a basket. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's we'll the expression. That right? That's a little old for me, but I got it right. <laughs> So they got to get it figured out, though, because this could be happening in a couple weeks. It's not a bad analogy for a 28-year-old to come <laughs> up with bad. something a little more hip. But, yeah, all the eggs in a basket. Okay. Um, yeah, unfortunately, though, for basketball, um, yeah, they stayed in the same tier. And then, oh, man, poor volleyball. So volleyball actually went in the opposite direction. They went from orange, where football was, and soccer and water polo, and they went down to the yellow, I guess, because they figured it was an indoor sport. So a lot of the volleyball coaches are, uh, yeah, they're not too happy with that, uh, understandably so. And then, yeah, the basketball coaches are frustrated too, which stinks for them. I, I guess I just don't get why volleyball moved down, because I know you're playing close to people, but I mean, I don't. I, maybe it's because they're sharing a ball with sweat and it's inside, that's the only thing I could think of, but I, the volleyball moving down made no sense to me, um, especially when a sport like football moved yeah. up. Yeah. Because, I mean, football is a lot more close contact than volleyball. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I feel bad for those guys. Um, yeah. So, a lot of hope. I, and when these games do hit, man, it is going to be so awesome. It's going to be it's going to be fast and furious. I mean, even for us, we're going to have so much fun covering it, but it's we're, we're going to have to really, uh, you know, I don't know. We're going to have to just really organize ourselves and, and get out there. And, yeah, I think we're going to be, like, the go-to for all this information. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I I I want to do a uh, – I'll kind of play around with the idea between now and then, but I kind of want to do, like, a post-game podcast for literally every game that I go to. And yeah. I will literally do it maybe in my car for 15 minutes or – in the stadium if i'm working on something yeah. in there and just recapping the game i was just at if i'm alone or if i'm with paul there as well uh just a ton of different ways we can cover games and uh we haven't been able to really show it yet well one of our goals too with this podcast was to do two a week 
Yeah. So yeah, we we would probably yeah, that's probably something that we would that we would look into or something probably probably do. Yeah, I think something cool like if I cover say you have Buchanan versus Clovis West baseball and the game ends and then I take a bunch of pictures at the game, post mm-hmm. them online, get a little get the stats out there and then do like a fifteen minute podcast just breaking down everything I saw. I'm I'd be pumped for that. Boom up. Yeah, there we go. Cool. All right. Enough of us talking, Austin. I think the people want to hear about Adrian Martinez and the great stories that he has. And uh, yeah, I know you guys are going to really enjoy this podcast and to sit down with Adrian. So here's Adrian. We have a special, special guest on this episode. We're super excited. We have former Clovis West football player, basketball player, athlete, Adrian Martinez, currently at the University of Nebraska star quarterback over there. I, I got a couple uh, couple of uh, things that I want our, our listeners to know about you, Adrian, because you've already had a pretty remarkable career over there so far. Uh, at Clovis West, you had over 4,000 yards passing and ran for over 2,300 yards and accounted for 63 total touchdowns in two seasons. Uh, your, your senior season was wiped out by injury, and we'll get into that a little bit later. You played four years of varsity basketball. While at the University of Nebraska, you've been a captain, team captain for the last two years. Uh, you were a freshman All-American. You were the first true freshman quarterback to start a season opener in Nebraska history. You're academic, all Big Ten in 2019 and 20. You are uh, number five on the all-time yardage list for single season with 3,246 yards, and that was your freshman year. And you currently hold 13 school records and it would take me a long time to list those records so um 13 school records total uh freshman completions freshman uh, completion percentage freshman passing yards offensive yards passing touchdowns with 17 and total touchdowns 25 adrian we welcome you to the podcast we're super excited to get into a lot of fun things with you so yeah so excited to see you once again thank you for having me so I think one of the burning questions that we all have back here in California, because you're in Nebraska right now, is what's going on with the weather? You're wearing a beanie. We're doing the Zoom meeting, right? You're wearing a beanie. We know how cold it gets over there. So what do we got outside? Yeah, well, today uh, there was a low of negative 20. Um, We're going through it uh, out here in Nebraska. It's been pretty tough on us, but... um, I found a way to manage. You get used to it. I remember my first winter uh, when I decided to early enroll in, in January. Um, I was a California boy who, who wasn't really ready for what was going to hit me. And that was a, a blizzard out the gate. Um, okay. So I, I needed to buy some extra clothes, needed to uh, better prepare myself <laughs> for the elements. And um, since being here, I've definitely adjusted to that. Right now, it's not favorable, but it'll only get better. So you told us that classes were canceled today because of the weather out there? Yeah, classes were canceled today. Uh, we couldn't work out. All the facilities, you know, college buildings around campus, all of that was shut down because it was, I guess, considered unsafe <laughs> to be outside for certain amounts of, of time. So that cold. So, so some of your teammates that aren't, you know, that are used to the cold weather and, and you coming from California, do they like make fun of you or anything like that? Or do they call you like the California kid? Oh, you know, every day, every day is sunny in California. What, what do they think of California? Some of these guys. Um, some of them have some assumptions uh, out of the gate. And I think it was <laughs> important for me to tell them that I didn't come from some nice place in Southern California or, or, you know, didn't come from, the Bay or something, you know, I came from Fresno and that's no disrespect to Fresno, but they don't know anything about Fresno um, or the type of guys or the type of people that come from Fresno. So I think once I got to know them and they got to know me, the whole California deal got settled pretty quickly. Um, some of them seem to think that all I do, all I got to do was surf and <laughs> on the beach and well, they, they don't know the truth, but that's all right. <laughs> Well, getting to Nebraska, you had you had quite a journey. Uh, I remember your, uh, you know, your your commitment to Cal, then to Tennessee, and and coaching changes. You know, uh, unfortunately happened with that, and then you ended up at Nebraska. But there's a pretty 
famous story about Scott Frost coming, uh, taking a red eye to your house to, uh, to recruit you. And it was after his bowl game, like I think literally after his bowl game, wasn't it? So talk yeah. us through that experience and, and coach Frost. And I think he brought his quarterbacks coach as well, coming into your house and, and selling you on Nebraska. Yeah, well, it was uh, something I'll never forget. And um, at the time, my recruitment was really up in the air, and I wasn't positive about where I wanted to go. Um, and Frost and Verduzco, uh, the quarterback's coach, decided to make a trip out to, to good old Clovis and, and meet my family. We went out to dinner. They did an in-home visit. Um, and that was a real uh, eye-opener for me. Um, because they had checked all the boxes previously. And I, I really won't, that kind of action by them showed how much they wanted um, me to go to Nebraska and how committed they were to that process. And um, it was really awesome for them to come and see where I grew up, see what I was all about. And uh, it was something that meant a lot to me then and definitely still does. Was there a certain moment during that conversation, maybe when they were sitting in the living room where you're like, yeah, I want to go play for these guys. Was there something they said or something they showed you? What what was what was the uh, the final uh, you know reason why? Yeah, well, I would say that moment had sort of happened before um, through the process of, of me figuring out what I wanted in a school and in a staff. Um, but when they decided to do the home visit, visit. And they got to meet the rest of my family because on my official visit, it was just my dad and myself um, getting to meet Christy, my stepmom and, and my siblings and seeing how they interacted with them and, and seeing if my family liked them, uh, which obviously all those things happened. And those were the type of things that, that were important to me and needed to happen in order for me to feel comfortable moving out to Nebraska to play football. And am I right in thinking that but that was pretty late, right? Am I, when, what month was that? And then you took off, you graduated early. Yeah, that was, that was right? really late. Um, I believe I took my official in December. If I can remember correctly. Yeah. Um, I believe I took it in December and I, I believe I signed in the same month. It, it might've been the month before that I took the visit. Um, but things happened very quickly. I mean, it was a quick turnaround from day one, but that kind of speaks to the type of situation I was in. And I, I was still committed to Tennessee at the time, um, but they were going through a new coaching staff. They hired Jeremy Pruitt, which he is no longer there, but he, they hired him at the time and he had done an in-home visit and he'd come and, and he had visited and spoken to me, but I, I wasn't really sold on, on that staff or, or me still going there. So when Frost and Nebraska came in the picture, it was kind of like perfect timing and it was a perfect opportunity that, that I was looking for. Did you ever feel that like the recruiting process was maybe overwhelming at all, or did you kind of maybe enjoy it? Did you, how did you feel about the whole recruiting process? At first it was super enjoyable. It was a ton of fun <laughs> and something that, I mean, I think any kid growing up who has that type of passion for the sport and desire to play, you know, at the college level, I mean, I, I was loving it and super thankful for it. But after a while, it gets old. It gets old, you know. And obviously, that's a, a great position to be in. Um, but gets old, the texts, the calls, um, whatever it may be, and kind of having that decision looming over you. And in addition to that, kind of the indirect and direct pressure that coaches put on kids in high school to commit, to show interest, to do this or that. It is definitely there. And, and for me, going back, one thing I wish I had was more knowledge on kind of how that process worked, um, more of a full picture type of knowledge on, on what recruiting is all about. And, and um, I didn't necessarily have that. And I think if I did, I may have been a little less um, quick to take action and commit to a school like Cal if I would have looked a little bit more closely at the stability of the program, you know, at the mm -hmm. time and committed there and their coaches got fired and the same sort of thing happened with Tennessee. Yeah. It's hard to find a perfect situation, but I didn't really have the, the knowledge that I would have liked to. Um, but all in all, it's a blessing. Recruiting is a blessing. Being able to 
to be recruited is a blessing. Um, but for kids nowadays, there's, there's a tremendous amount of pressure. And uh, I was definitely not an exception. Well, I, I think I remember your, your first offer from Fresno State. It was like the night that you hit a game-winning basket in a basketball game at home at yeah. the buzzer. And then that night, Tedford calls you, right, with your first offer. And then, yeah, we had a chat after that. Well, and, I, I uh, think I mean, it, you were over the moon. Actually, I think it was actually DeRuiter. <laughs> I think it was DeRuiter who, who, uh, who offered me. Oh, Either right. way, yeah, it, it, I was. And that type of excitement, I mean, you can't uh, duplicate it. You know, it, it was so awesome. Uh, that first offer, there's, I guess there's nothing like it. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's a, it's an enjoyable process, but it has its pains as well, for sure. So you get to Nebraska and uh, Frost names you the starting quarterback. Like I said, in, in your intro, you're the first true freshman starting quarterback in Nebraska history. So, you know, you're a Memorial Stadium, opening game, starting quarterback, Right. There's a little bit of weather issues going on. And I can remember texting your dad. I think you know where I'm going with this. I'm texting your dad. What's the weather like? He's taking a picture of it and sending it to me. All right. You guys are hyped. You're hyped. Boom. Leaving the field. I'm like watching. I'm like, what's going on here? Lightning storm, thunderstorm, game postponed. Right. What? <laughs> I mean, was that just was that just crazy? You got what eighty thousand plus people there, ready for a football game, and then postponed slash canceled. Yeah, it was. Uh, <laughs> that was tough, uh, especially going into my first what would be my first career start. Um, a game we were super excited about, first game of the Frost era. I mean, the whole bit. Um, there was a ton of excitement. A night game. I'll never forget walking out of the tunnel, and that's probably the top five loudest environments I've ever been in on any given night, right then and there walking out of that tunnel and for the first time running out and looking up at the crowd and seeing every seat filled. And it's hard. It's a hard image to, to really detail and talk about, but I mean, it's, it's crazy. And they kick the ball off. We're ready to run out there. And I swear I'm scoring a touchdown that the first play, you know, I'm so amped. I'm, no one's going to stop me out there. Um, and some guys come running out on the field and waving their hands, telling us to get off the field. Kind of pissed off, you know, what the heck is going on? Let's play this game. I think we're just fine. Go back to the locker room and uh, not really sure what's going on. And I stay in my pads, full, full pads, until about 1030 that night, thinking that maybe we're going to get called back out on that field. And eventually Frost pulls us in and says, hey, we're, we're not going to be able to play tonight due to the thunderstorm, weatherstorm, whatever. And we may play tomorrow. We may play Sunday in our indoor. I'm like, well, I'll, I'll take that. <laughs> Shoot, let's, let's do that. He's like, well, we got to find housing for these Akron players, um, which may or may not happen, but we'll see and we'll keep you guys up to date. And before I could even get to my car in the parking lot, Twitter notification, game canceled, Akron on the way back home, done. So you eventually played a game. Was it It was the next week, or do you have to mm -hmm. wait one more week until the Colorado game? The, yeah, the next week we played Colorado, and that was the first game, yeah. So that was, so then your first game, and that game is home. And, uh, you know, you you already – I mean, you, you established yourself, I think, in that game. You rushed for over 100 yards. You had close to 200 yards passing, a couple of rushing touchdowns. And I especially – I'll never forget it, man. Your 40-yard touchdown run for your first touchdown, you uh, you just outrun a couple dudes on the side, and you, you took a somersault into the end zone, and mm. crowd goes crazy, right? Uh, you know, I think Fresno was going crazy. At least I was in my living room. Describe describe that play, what you remember seeing, and just the exhilarating feeling that you had tumbling into the end zone. Yeah, well, on that play specifically, we were out leveraged. We were kind of in a in a no snap type of moment. Um, they had an extra defender on the edge, and uh, kind of a tough situation to be in. I pulled the ball and kind of let instincts and, and just uh, play take over and made one guy miss. 
sprinted towards the end zone. And I, I paid for that somersault later. I, that, my back was not feeling good the next day. But in the moment, it was awesome. Hard to beat. I mean, the crowd going nuts. I'm super pumped up. Hard to beat a touchdown, especially your, your first one in, in college. So, um, Adrian, I have followed Big Ten football for probably about 20 years religiously. Like probably, <laughs> probably too much. Um, and, and staying on your freshman season, uh, you guys go to Ohio stadium, play number eight, Ohio state, and you have probably one of the best games of your career to date. I would say, uh, 338 yards, total offense, three touchdowns. What are some other really cool experiences you've had in, in other stadiums around the big 10? Ohio state, uh, and their stadium is, is hard to top as far as away games. Um, and that game specifically, I remember going against Dwayne Haskins and, <laughs> and their defense, um, a younger Chase Young, who wasn't as dominant yet. Um, that was that was a good game and a game I thought we could have won. Uh, but it's, it's a good feeling, you know, to be kind of locked in and in the zone. And I felt like I was definitely there and our team was operating um, within the same space. Um, as far as other cool experiences – this last thing I can't even think about because no fans were allowed, which was <laughs> nuts. And I'm sure we'll touch on that later. But uh, Michigan, my freshman year, was really cool. We got smacked, but it was a great environment. I mean, the, being in the big house was really cool. Um, let me think. I may be a little biased, but Memorial Stadium, the Huskers, first, we have the record for, I think, 300-plus sellouts in a row. Um, mm -hmm. Those home games are tough to beat, and especially when we're playing well. It gets pretty – Pretty fun in there. Can you kind of walk us through what it's like on game day? Just maybe even from team meals to mm -hmm. locker room to getting into the tunnel. Because I've seen your your walk through the tunnels, which are pretty amazing. And then walking out and seeing the crowd and rushing out there and warm-ups and all that. Can you just, I don't know, just give us a, an overview of what that looks like and feels like? Each game we start out, you know, we're in the same hotel. We stay in a hotel the night before um, and get on the buses you know, I'll spare you all the boring details before that, but get on the buses and you know it's game day because we have a huge crowd waiting for us right outside of the hotel just to get onto the bus. That's always kind of cool. Get on the bus. And as we're making our way through downtown and to the stadium, you, all you see is red. It's a sea of red throughout the entire city. Um, make your way to um, – I can't remember what they really call it, but we have a little walk into the stadium. It's about a hundred yards of just Nebraska fans, you know, going nuts hours before the game. That's it's pretty cool as well. Make it to the game. We have a little pregame uh, ritual and schedule that we go out there and the stadium is filling up again, you know, at least an hour before game game time. And I've never been in there, but outside of this season where we haven't had a full stadium. And that's something that is very unique to Nebraska. And we always, we haven't always had the most success, but we have always had the best fan support and they've stayed consistent with that. And it always makes for a great environment, especially right before the kickoff, they play the same song. It's called Joker and the thief. Mm, yeah. Can't beat it. You know, everyone's clapping right before kickoff, all the juices are flowing. I mean, it, it creates for a great environment and, Again, you know, something I, I dreamed about as a kid and something I wanted to play in um, coming out of high school. Uh, one of the reasons I picked Nebraska, not the sole reason, but um, a place that was as passionate about football, college football as Nebraska. What has been the biggest moment that stood out to you, whether it's been a game situation, a, a certain environment, maybe a kid coming up to you after a game? Or, I don't know, even, you know, somebody that you met or an interview. What's, what's one thing so far in your career that's really stuck with you so far? I would say, for me, that it's a really unique position I'm in playing quarterback here in Nebraska. And um, it's definitely not the same back in California, kind of the reach that you have. And I didn't realize the impact I had here and really the – kind of the almost role model leadership role I'm in that's that spreads beyond the team, you know, and more to the, the community, not only in Lincoln, but to the state. And I'll never forget. There was a little kid that came up to me and 
pretty much told me how much I meant to him. And, you know, it, it's, it's tough to beat those, those little moments that kind of put it in perspective for you. You know, you're doing something that's bigger than yourself. And I would say that's been the most impactful thing for me is trying to reach those kids throughout Nebraska and trying to do it in a way that would make Nebraskans proud. And I've done nothing but try and do that my past three years here. Um, Mm-hmm. And and it's been a great experience that way. And and I'd I'd also break that question to another another answer, and that's more towards the game of football. And that college football is is tough, and the margin for error is is this small. And the difference between some of the really good teams and the average teams, and the below average teams, especially in the Big Ten, is small. We've had countless games where we've lost by one possession. And certain plays could have went this way, could have went that way, and our record could have been, you know, four more wins instead of those those four losses that we took, which changed the whole the whole course of a program, the whole course of a season. And um, that's that's the game of football, and it's especially the game of football in the Big Ten. The the little errors, the little turnovers, little mistakes. Um, that was a big learning curve, and something I have come to know as as a part of the Big Ten kind of football picture. Yeah. And just going back to what you said about that, about that little kid and just realizing how much of an impact that you, that you truly make and how much you represent the university of Nebraska and represent your family as well. So Adrian, I, I saw those things. Clovis West. Mm. I followed your career, right? I've known you for five or six years. And uh, I think those seeds were planted early. I remember one game. I can't remember which one it might've been, I'd even been after like that Bowler playoff loss and, and some kid came up to you and he had like one of those little footballs. And then you just said, here, throw it to me. Boom. And then you start playing catch with them after a loss. So I saw those early, Adrian. I think that, those, that's just a testament of, of who you are as a person. And, you know, I, I, I've seen social media posts with you, um, you know, in the community and, and giving, you know, doing autograph sessions and posing with, people and meeting people at baseball games and just being a very, very kind and generous person. So yeah, that's, that's always been you and it always will be you Adrian. So I think that's, you know, a testament, testament to you. We can get into the the roller coaster of the 2020. (laughs) If we can even call it a roller coaster, it might be even more crazy than that. Uh, So the first, at first, I guess the big 10 commissioner uh, cancels the season and then it's back on, and then they say it's back on, but we're only going to play eight eight games. Uh, how kind of truly difficult was it to navigate this past season? Because we can all kind of sit here and say, "Oh, these kids are all out of their out of their routine, stuff like that." But I imagine it's it goes much more just kind of beyond the general sentiments that we all kind of have as the general public. It has so much less to do with the physical aspect. Because I, I believe physically each team was ready to play at the beginning of the season when it should have started. Didn't doesn't matter. They were ready to go after that. But more about the emotional um, kind of ups and downs of that whole process that I think really screwed with a lot of teams and a lot of players. And it made it really tough. I mean, among other things, we had this whole COVID deal and everything that was happening with our country, everything going on around us and we're ready to play, excited to play, and our, our season gets canceled. And the other conferences don't cancel. And that was really disappointing um, for a lot of us, um, a lot of teams in the Big Ten and, and a lot of players on Nebraska. And not really sure what to do. Um, we stayed confident that a season was going to be played, so we were prepared. We continued to work out, do things on our own, whatever we could do to ready ourselves. Um, but it's hard to be mentally prepared. You go through one fall camp, your season gets canceled, and then you start another fall camp about a week later. And as I'm sure both of you know, fall camps aren't the easiest thing in the world to, to ramp your body back up and, and get your mind ready for that type of, um, that type of season, the emotional ups and downs, the physical ups and downs. Um, I, I was called back. I don't know, in, in March or April and started doing kind of some involuntary workouts with the guys all the way 
until our season ended in December. And that's a, that's a long period of time. And it was a long stretch. And I know Nebraska is not the only school um, that was in that same boat, but other big 10 teams as well. And for players, that's hard. You know, we're more than just players, but college players who have other things than just the game of football. Right. And it, it was tough. Um, at the end of the day, I'm, I'm still lucky and fortunate to have played a season that we got to play. And I know a lot of guys are thankful for that as well, but um, the constant testing and precautions and kind of a, in order to play, you had to make sacrifices. And part of that was sacrificing your social life. Um, some of the other things you would have done in a normal season. Um, and you're pretty much just playing football and you do your best in online school and you're back on the strict schedule testing. Um, and if you, especially in the big 10, cause the big 10 COVID policies were tougher than other conferences. If you get COVID, you're probably going to get a couple other teammates COVID. If you have like seven guys on your team test positive, your team is out for at least three weeks. Wisconsin saw that. Um, <laughs> so it, there was a lot of pressure to make those things go through and the emotional toll that I think that took out of uh, a lot of guys, you know, across the league, it wasn't easy to deal with. Yeah. I was going to ask like just how strict it's like, it sounds like very strict like Nebraska was with what you guys could and couldn't do like outside of football activities, like was a normal day, like on a, like a midweek, a midweek in November, was it just like online school football facilities and then back to your, back to your house. And that's about it. Oh yeah. Without a doubt. <laughs> that is, yeah. But I really don't think that was any different across the league and really across probably other teams all over the country as well. Um, because that's what the necessary sacrifice was. Yeah. Um, and it was kind of implied. It's not like they really forced us to do anything, mm-hmm. um, at least in certain areas. But if you were the guy, and I know it's like that at other places, but if you're the guy that brings in COVID and you went out partying the night before, did something that put the team in jeopardy, mm-hmm. um, that's, that's a selfish move. And that's what was required for this season. And again, you know, that can take a, a pretty big toll over a long stretch. What, what was that like when you guys would get tested? Would you guys, would it just be this anxious feeling? Would, would you get a notification on your phone? Oh, you tested negative. What, what, what did that, what did that even look like? Yeah. Well, the, yeah, there's definitely this, this whole process to it. And, and it starts with filling out a form. And if you flag yourself and you don't come to the facilities, you know, that means if you self-diagnose with any of those symptoms that are aligned with having COVID, um, but if you pass that, then you get a temperature check and then you go and get tested. And it wasn't necessarily a, a tense feeling, um, at least later. At first, it was weird and kind of annoying. And <laughs> man, we got to do this. But by month four of it, you're kind of used to it. <laughs> you know, you, you, just a part of your daily routine. And we haven't done anything else. And I don't know anything different. So this is just what we do, you know, and it's almost stayed along those same lines even now it's just a part of just like wearing a mask you know around a facility in certain areas whatever it's you know it was weird at first now it just seems like a part of everyday life and that's kind of the case for the student athlete yeah I know I yeah I just always wonder that like are the the players getting nervous is you know, is there one player that, uh, you know, that did something that he wasn't supposed to do the night before and comes back to jeopardize the whole team? Yeah, I mean, but we I mean, we definitely applaud you for getting getting those eight games through. But what, what was it like playing in near empty stadiums? You know, we talk about the sellouts and the 80,000 people at games. Crazy. And then you get to this year. Did it just what was just the general feeling of games out there? Uh, definitely bizarre at first, um, specifically playing on the field. I mean, we're, I know for me, I'm locked in on my assignment, what I have to do, reading coverages, whatever it is. Um, and even if there are fans in there, I don't notice them. But what's weird is when you score a touchdown at Ohio state and I can hear myself echo in the stadium, you know, scream (laughs) a celebration. 
that's when things get a little weird. You know, it's it's cool when you score a touchdown in an away stadium and you see all their fans and they all go quiet. No, there's no one to quiet. It's just an empty stadium. So that piece was definitely a little weird. But again, you know, by the end of the year, it was, all right, this is what we do. We're used to it. No fans. Let's just play some ball. It's, and, and let's talk about Coach Frost. Yeah, let's talk about Coach Frost. You know, he, he's a, a Nebraska legend, quarterback. And when your head coach was a college quarterback, especially at the school where he graduated from, it could be a blessing and a curse for, you know, for a quarterback such as yourself. So, you know, what's, what's that relationship been, been like? And, you know, is there some story that you can share about Coach Frost that really talks about, uh, you know, your, your relationship with him? The big, and that was a part of my recruiting process as well, and, and it's held up. Um, he's been through it. He knows what it takes to succeed here, and he understands some of the difficulties that come with playing quarterback here. And he's definitely been able to relate to me on that level and, and given me some advice. And some of the best advice I've ever gotten um, was around after my sophomore year. And we had struggled. We had high expectations. I had high expectations myself. Mm-hmm. We didn't live up to those, and um, we had to hear it after the season, you know, and had to accept and kind of see what went wrong. And I'll never forget, you know, I was really struggling personally with some of that failure and and felt really responsible. And um, he pretty much told me, you know, you can't let football define you. You know, you were football is not you. You were not football. You were so much more as a person than football. You know, football is something you do and something you enjoy. But and this is summarized, um, but it's not who I am. And that's something I knew, but I needed to be reminded of, especially at a time like that when I had, you know, been so consumed by it. And sometimes you can be so consumed by that failure of something you love but that doesn't necessarily mean it defines you in and will define the rest of your life. And I took that to heart and meant a lot to me coming from him. And I know he understands that. Um, So that was some, that that'd be a a perfect example of a frost. And I think he has some really great wisdom uh, to give to me and to give to the rest of the players on my team. I remember, I remember seeing a big hug it was this year. Yeah. A big hug that you guys had a big embrace after a game. Um, I think it was a game that you didn't, you, maybe you didn't start or maybe it was the next week where I just saw it on TV. Right. And you just see you two hug and it was like a genuine type hug. So I think, I think that goes back to kind of what you were saying about coach Frost, right? Yeah, definitely. And, and um, as a program and as two of the, you know, so-called bigger figures, you know, head coach and the quarterback. Um, I think I can understand some of his struggles and some of his burdens, and he can do the same with me. And that game, which I do remember, was the Purdue game. Um, Great game for us offensively and as a team, uh, and a game we ended up winning. And that embrace was genuine and it was something that was uh, one of my favorite moments in my Nebraska career, because we had, we have and had been through so much and to have some success there was, was really great for both of us, you know? So the NCAA announced, obviously most people will know that um, all college football players have a, had pretty much a free year of eligibility this past fall. Um, do you maybe have you thought of a plan as far as that goes, kind of what your what your future is, kind of how long you see yourself maybe playing in college and kind of stuff like that? You know, it, it really is is just dependent on um, how this next season goes. Uh, I am thankful to get that other year. And I also have a redshirt year. Um, it truly just truly depends. Um, I still have that goal and pursuit of reaching the NFL. And if I think after this season that, I've done a good enough job to put myself in that position and have a legitimate opportunity, then I will definitely take it. But if not, I know I'll have another year. Um, I also plan on graduating this spring. So I will be able to start my master's in the summer and the next fall. 
Um, so those are all factors that play into it. Mm-hmm. And I definitely want to get as much education paid for while I can, uh, while also finding the best opportunity to try and make it to the league. Well, I know that, um, you know, you're going to have a great rest of your rest of your career in Nebraska. I know when you went there, like when you committed, I think I bought two hats online. I'm up to like four hats total. I have a, a pullover and I got two shirts. So, you know, Nebraska's got some of my money too from, yeah. from all the apparel. Cause of I you appreciate that. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, going, going now to, uh, to your Clovis West days. Um, first of all, does this seem like a long time ago, your days at Clovis West, or does it seem like a short time ago? Where are you at with that? I, I think it's a combination. <laughs> it, it's tough. You know, things go by so fast. And before you know it, I'm about to graduate this spring. I'm, I'm going into um, my fourth year. Uh, it's crazy. But at the same time, it, it feels like it was, uh, you know, it, it feels like it was yesterday. Um, and I'm starting to feel like the old guy around the locker room. You know, it's, it's, it's a combination of feelings. And um, it's been fun. It's been a fun experience. And gosh, you know, Clovis West. Those are some some great times, you know, hard to beat. Well, that's a perfect uh, a perfect transition to our next question. We were just going to ask you what kind of what were your favorite memories in New York, Clovis West, whether it was football or uh, basketball, pretty much anything. I would say um, that junior year football team that I was on, um, all my best buddies, uh, the Buchanan game, we fought a tough game and we ended up coming out on top. I don't remember exactly what the final score was, but we had this big old trophy. And I remember all my buddies were headed back to in and out um, after the game. And this is pretty uncharacteristic, I would say, but I happened to have the trophy in my car. And so all our teammates are in line at in and out. A bunch of them are inside in and out. And I'm like, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to take this trophy in there. <laughs> so I grab this trophy and we head inside and there's like some Buchanan, some Clovis North guys, and they're all kind of pissed off, but it doesn't matter. As soon as I get in there, I hold up the trophy. Everyone goes crazy. Um, it's funny how I remember something like that and uh, not some of the other moments, but that'd probably be one of them. And just those those times in fall camp where we're all trying to make it, you know, we're all working our tails off the, the long workouts, the runs, the conditioning, when none of us had offers, me and some of my other buddies and we were just out there having fun out there working hard, reaching for our goals and enjoying just being with each other. And um, it's hard to beat that. Hard to beat those times, you know, um, but those moments for sure are are my favorite to look back on. Well, I got one for you, Adrian, and uh, I'm sure you remember this. <laughs> and and I, I look back at this story and um, yeah, I just shake my head and I just can't believe that I put myself in this situation. But so do you remember when we did that photo shoot for the newspaper and I got access and clearance for all the quarterbacks in the track to go to the military base that was next to the airport. You remember that? I do. I do. Do you, do you know where I'm going with this story? I don't, I don't know where you're going with this story. Okay. I'm all, right. Curious, so, so. all right. So you were, I think you had just turned 16. You had your driver's license. So your dad is like, yeah, you can go. But he texted me and said, but Paul, I want you to drive Adrian to the airport because you're more responsible. Right. I said, okay. Cool. My yeah, dad no problem. Is too much. Good grief. So you drive, so you drive to my house, right. And we get in my car and we're meeting at the Starbucks that's near the airport. So it's like uh, Brent Bailey and his dad, Jeff is there. And that was when Trent was a sophomore. So Trent Tompkins was there with his dad. And then Trey Lake was there. And uh, Buchanan quarterback, uh, Nolan. I remember him. Yeah. I forgot. Big guy, right? Last name. Yeah, Nolan, right? So we all meet at Starbucks, and then we're going we're gonna to get into the airport, right? And so you and Trey and the Buchanan quarterback 
or with me in the car. And I'm not exactly sure what gate to go through. So I actually go early. I turn, I turn early and I go into the airport and I'm like, guys, this is the wrong way. And it's like five lanes to get into the airport. And it's a one way deal. Right. And I'm like, crap, I don't know how to get out of here. So I make a U-turn on the one way to get out of the airport. Right. So I'm making, I'm making this U-turn and I'm like, guys, crap, I think I'm going the wrong way. And uh, sure enough, there's a car coming and I do a little Mario Kart and I go around that thing and I might have, you know, let out an expletive or two. And my career, my, uh, you know, picturing myself in the jail, my, my picture in the front page of the paper, you know, local, local journalist crashes car in a head on collision with three, you know, high school kid quarterback. So anyway, you, you kind of remember that now. I, I remember that now that you mentioned that. I think I had just chosen to forget about it, you know? <laughs> yeah, that was a good idea. So, yeah, so that's one of my Adrian Martinez memories of almost wrecking your guys' career by getting in a head-on collision going the wrong way at the Fresno airport. I had faith in you. I don't, I don't remember ever being nervous about it. <laughs> okay, good, good. Well, yeah, because I was afterwards. I was sweating bullets. But is there, is there a game? You know, you mentioned the, the Buchanan football game, but is there another game that kind of pops into your memory about that uh, about that football season? I remember the the Central game, that heartbreaking playoff loss in overtime uh, where Central won it on the last play. Or is, is there another moment that you uh, that you remember? Well, yeah, you you mentioned it 100 percent. The Central game, um, one of the only ones that'll forever stick with me. That one's hard to swallow, you know. Uh, what ended up being my last high school game um, and one that I, I believe we should have won, we could have won, and, and we're not able to pull out. Overtime game, um, didn't play bad, but could have played a lot better. And it's, it's one of those thing that, things that sticks with you. Um, a couple of the Clovis games, I remember we played Clovis the last, um, I think the last, game of the, last game of the regular season, and then we played them again. And anytime you can beat Clovis, that was always a good thing. So I felt good about that, um, winning those games. Um, my sophomore year, sophomore year was up and down. I think one of the more talented teams that I was on, and we just could not find a way to put it together. Um, but yeah, that, that central game, I would say, is the most uh, notable one. Uh, for my basketball career, I was super fortunate to be coached by Coach Orlich and and uh, Coach Wahlberg. Uh, and again, I we had a very talented team my junior season, but we lost in the quarterfinals to Bullard. I will also not forget that game. Uh, that's also the game that I got re-hurt in, hurt my shoulder. Um, but things I've I've almost let go of, they're almost in the rear view. <laughs> yeah. So going back to that bowler game, packed house, playoff game, you get a, a steal or whatever, and you're taking it on the court, and a dude fouls you from behind, and and there you are laying behind the backboard, just kind of writhing in pain, you know, jacking your shoulder up. Um, what was going through your mind at that time? And little do people know that you actually went back in that game later. I mean, you, you went out for a few minutes but went back in, but when you're on the ground and your shoulder is probably, you know, feeling like it's coming out of socket or or whatever, you know, what's going through your mind? And obviously you missed your senior season because of surgery, but you know, what's going through your mind? And then, you know, what did that time teach you? Away yeah, from game? well, I'm not, I'm not sure how many people know this, but I had actually known that I had a torn labrum going into that game. Um, and the doctor told me, you know, there's no way, it's up to you if you want to play, but the only way you can make it worse is if you had a really awkward fall or something you know crazy would have happened blah 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 and i'm like well i'm, I'm gonna play it's the playoffs and we have the best team in the section and we're gonna go win a valley championship and i haven't won a valley championship um so we play i think a couple more regular season games and then that's our first playoff game if if i'm correct um mm -hmm. yeah get that last steal i go up get my arm chopped okay. and it, it yeah. yeah it dislocates right there dislocates and I've never had a feeling like that. And the trainer comes running over and rolls me over and it pops back in. 
And uh, I'm sad, but I'm oddly enough still really focused on the game. <laughs> I go back and Josh tells me, you know, you probably messed it up a little bit. Josh was our trainer. Um, messed it up a little bit more, blah, 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 blah. You shouldn't go back. But I kind of shake him off and I'm like, all right, let's, let's go back in. Coach Wahlberg, for some reason, I don't know why, but he drew up a play for me. <laughs> and <laughs> I got the ball uh, near the top, um, drove it over the right side, went up for a layup, backboard, front rim. And by the time it was coming back down, I was in a position to go up for a rebound. I go up, and it pops in and out again, and I'm done. And right then, that's when, you know, I, I go find my way back to the training uh, training table, and I'm bawling my eyes out. Because um, I've never really been hurt, seriously hurt to that point. Uh, I didn't know what the future would hold and what this meant for um, my football career. And having that type of uncertainty is really scary, especially when it, it jeopardizes, you know, your future and in a sport you love. And lucky enough for me, I was able to get that all sorted out. Uh, but it, it wasn't for some time. Um, it, if I, I didn't know if I was ever going to be able to be the same, if I was ever going to be able to reach the same level, if I was going to be the same player. And it took me some time to gain that confidence back, especially since it was my throwing shoulder and, and uh, part of what made me an, a good quarterback recruit, you know. Um, kind of going something a little bit more lighthearted. Um, you know, your your uh, your your group of friends <laughs> are are super are, are super close, and you guys have been for a while. And you know, I, I coached a lot of them in baseball, so I have, an, I have a good relationship with them. And we're talking about like DJ Shram and Dusty Shram and Rodney Wright and those guys. Um, you know, you know, it's great dudes, great athletes, a lot of um, all of them playing college sports right now. What was it like kind of just, you know, growing up with them in junior high, playing sports with them uh, through high school? And, you know, how much how much do you guys stay in contact and how much do you follow their careers right now? Yeah, those guys um, will forever be my friends, lifelong friends. Uh, and And you don't really. You don't realize how I didn't realize at least how lucky I was to have those guys in my life and as my best friends until, you know, I moved to Nebraska. Um, guys who were hardworking and shared a lot of the same values that that I do. Um, guys who push themselves in the classroom and on the field and ultimately had a lot of success and all got college scholarships to go place. Um go play football, baseball. Um, and I, I have to stay up with them. I got to just, just for me, I, I whether it's on ESPN TV, whatever, um, got to stay up with what they're doing, how they're doing. And then we have a group message that we, we always send each other videos, whatever we're up to. Um, cause we're all kind of far apart and we probably see each other once or twice a year, but I know I'm never going to lose touch with those guys. Um, and they, they always hold a, a special place in my life. What, what advice, Adrian, now that you've been through the division one experience, you know, uh, how hard it is to, uh, you know, to play division two, I know you're juggling, you know, football in 18 units of school, you know, what, what is something that kids who aspire to be a division one athlete, let's, let's just say football, what, what is something that, that you know now that you think they have no idea what they might be getting into at this level, what type of advice would you give them? Mm. Well, whatever you think you can do, you can do more. All right. They can do more. When I first got to college, I was just as an example, weight room. They were putting on more plates on the squat bar than I thought I could ever do. <laughs> And I was doing it and I was doing it because I made up my mind that I was going to be able to, I was set on pushing myself to my max and those guys believed in me and I believed in myself. If you believe in yourself, you can push through those limits and you will see growth and it's got to be consistent. What they demand out of you at the division one level and really any level of college athletics, if you want to be great, you have to put in the work and that doesn't stop 
in the weight room. It doesn't stop on the field and stop in the classroom. If you want to be great, you have to push yourself. And when you do that, you're going to see growth, not only in sport, but personal life, all facets of life. But more importantly, realize that you are capable, regardless of what anyone tells you, you can do it and you can do more than even you think. So set that bar super high and reach it, reach for it. And don't be afraid of it. Go for it. Find it within yourself to make it happen because it's possible. And, and that's really my, my biggest takeaway and, and biggest lesson. Um, I kind of had a, a naive belief in high school almost, <laughs> um, but in college it was realized, you know, in a way that was really great uh, for me. Um, but for some of those guys in, in high school, don't doubt it. You know, if, if you don't believe in yourself, no one will, you know, you have to believe in yourself and, and believe that you can reach those heights that you aspire to. And I know that you got a lot of your, uh, your values and your um, morals, so to speak, from and saw all the hard work from your dad. And I know you've mentioned publicly how much your dad means to you. Um, you know, kind of ending on this question, Adrian, just what, what is your family and, and your dad and all this meant to you throughout your life? Here you are, 21 years old. You know, you're you're in your third year at Nebraska starting quarterback and just kind of looking back at that, you know, what what makes those those relationships special? Well, my dad, uh, he, he's meant everything to me. And, and even through the ups and downs here in Nebraska, um, he showed me firsthand what what hard work and, and perseverance looks like through a, a really challenging time in our family. He never faltered. He never gave in and continued to grow um, myself and, and, and in him, you know, he, he provided for us and it's something I'll never take for granted. And when I got here, he did nothing but support me through any failures, through any successes. He never switched up or changed. He was always consistent and, um, that goes for the rest of my family as well. Christy back home and, and my sister and my little brother. Um, they've all, they've all been so great. And, and uh, being so far out here makes me value them even more, you know, and their impact uh, is, is definitely not, not left unfelt. Well, now publicly he knows that he trusted me with your life and, and driving you to the airport and I almost got us in a wreck. So, so there's that. So we'll see how my relationship <laughs> with your dad is after hey, this. We but made it yeah, out. No, <laughs> we made it out. So we have to know. So yeah, Adrian, this, this has been amazing. You know, we follow your career, obviously through Clovis West and through Nebraska. You have a, a lot of people here that, that love and respect you and, and root for you and, you know, hopefully you always consider Fresno Clovis your home, uh, wherever, uh, you know, call after college takes you. And we, we definitely are, are big fans of you and, and, and root for you and, and know that you're, you're a special guy, man. You, you have, uh, you have us in your heart. Thank you. I truly appreciate you guys. Thank you. Thank you.